Welcome to the interview chair. My name is Jimmy Casas and I am your host. Are you an educator who is currently feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, or wondering if you can continue to do this work? Visualize yourself back in the interview chair. You are genuine, sincere, and full of passion. You convinced the group of people that you were the best person for the job and you believed it. That is the real you. Thank you for joining me as I take you back to the interview chair to remind you of why you wanted to become an educator. Welcome to episode 28 of the interview chair, learning from our staff and colleagues. Today's episode is the final episode of a three-part summer series on learning. So thank you all for joining. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you recall, a couple weeks ago, we kicked off the learning series with learning about our staff and colleagues. Then we came back last week and talked about learning for our staff and colleagues. And today's episode concludes the three-part series, and it is on the topic of learning from our staff and colleagues. So let's dive right in. You know, for years, I've heard the following phrase used in a variety of settings and for a variety of reasons. Fake it till you make it. Now, the idea that one should portray a sense of confidence rather than simply embrace his or her shortcomings and vulnerabilities is scary to me, especially in our profession where educating our children should always be done with integrity. Now, imagine you're sitting in an interview. And the committee asks you this question. How do you work through problems with when confronted with an issue? In other words, walk us through your process. I can't imagine that you or I or any one of us would respond with, well, I'd probably fake it till I make it. Now, if we've learned anything at all, it is that people don't care what you say, but rather what you do. And how you do it is what builds confidence and cultivates trust in you as a person and as a professional. However, for many educators, this is an area that continues to create an immense amount of anxiety and stress. How do you balance feeling equipped to do a remarkable job versus that moment when you feel incapable of performing your work at the standard expected? I often joke that principals are not going to ask to meet with their superintendents and tell them that they don't know what they're doing, and likewise, no teacher is planning on having that same conversation with their principal anytime soon. So what can we do to alleviate this potential threat to our success? Well, begin by asking yourself this simple question. What are you willing to do to help yourself or your staff get better? And the sooner you come to the realization that you or any individual staff member doesn't have to have all the answers, nor should we be expected to, the sooner you will get back on track so that you no longer have to fake it. I remember being charged as the new principal of a building to increase the academic expectations and performance of all my students. And this was not an easy task, especially for a school that was already considered a high-achieving school with an athletic program that was second to none. In attempting to do so, I knew it would have to involve sincere efforts by the entire faculty in order to make this happen. I quickly learned that expecting them to work together, however, would be a challenge, especially since a culture of secrecy and competition had already been fostered. In order to adhere to this tall task, I knew I would need to learn from them and they in turn from one another and beyond their own campus. 
So here are seven steps that I would suggest in order to work towards transforming your culture into one that values collegiality and ongoing improvement. Now, before I get into these seven steps, let me just say this. People, listen, I don't have a monopoly on this. And I'm not saying because you do these things, this is going to change everything. But I do believe it is our responsibility, especially those of us who are leaders on our campuses and our buildings, to help begin to reframe some of the work so we can begin to address the challenges that face all of us in this work. And rather than use those challenges as an excuse, we begin to try to figure out a ways that we can approach the work that will hopefully get us a better result. Okay? So let's get started with number one. What if we were to get all staff to be transparent in sharing data, especially trend data, and not only with one another, but also the entire school community? Again, if your current culture exists that does not allow or does not encourage or does not support and currently doesn't have staff sharing data, what I want you to see is to ask yourself, how then can we begin to begin to set the foundation and expectation of why this is important that we do this. After all, all staff plays a part in student success and all should be celebrated. So if your current culture doesn't allow this, then let's use this as a starting point to begin to share some data, especially that trend data, and begin to cultivate a culture where people can actually talk about these things with one another. Number two. Hold individual goal meetings with teachers and discuss instructional philosophies, asking key questions such as, how will you engage all students in the learning process and inspire them to want to improve, including those who initially resist? Another question could be, how will you measure increased learning by all students beyond exam scores? Or, what is one new strategy you plan to implement this year that will promote success for all students? Or what about this one? How will you collaborate with a colleague this year to improve your classroom management, instruction, and or assessment? And finally, what do I need to know in order to best support you in achieving your goals and how can we partner together to make this happen? I'll be sure to include those five questions again in today's show notes. Number three, expect your staff to register and attend a local, state, or regional workshop conference with their entire team at least perhaps every three years, and then provide ongoing trainings for those who need more support. Now again, I know this can be challenging, especially today with the shortage of subs, perhaps there's not enough professional development dollars to um, you know, bring in a sub to allow a teacher to go to a conference. And sometimes we do face teachers who struggle and say, I don't know if I want to be gone. It's a lot more work for me to be gone than it is just to be here. Listen, again, we have to be very intentional in creating a culture of learning where people, number one, look forward to going away. Number two, want to go away because they want to continue learning. And three, we should never use the shortage of subs or dollars not to continue the training for our staff. There are many ways to do this, including bringing a group of staff together, sharing the vision and why we want to make this happen and how can we make this happen, using your building leadership team, and even, yes, us as administrators 
covering classes and covering uh, or being utilized as subs so our staff can attend trainings, whether it be local, regional, or even state trainings, even if it means overnight. So it's something definitely to consider. Number four, what about hosting our own conferences? You know, supporting vertical articulation and collaboration and bringing outside schools and teachers into our buildings. Remember, we have teachers on our staff right now that feel isolated. They are, in, they are singletons. They're the only teacher in a certain grade level. In other words, how do we find them a peer to be able to work with and collaborate with? And how can we have that happen? And one way to do that is by hosting a conference in our schools, right? And bringing other teachers in. Again, free conferences. It's all about the learning. Number five, what about creating a schedule for administration and staff to visit and observe classroom instruction by their peers? I believe that a minimum of four visits a year is best. In other words, every quarter. Once again, if we're going to ask kids to continue learning from one another, then we should have teachers modeling that as well and doing peer visits and peer observations in partnership with the admin, not on their own, but all of us doing learning walks together and having conversations and yes, many schools are already doing this, but many have stopped doing it for whatever reason. So this is a reminder, maybe it's time to get back to those best practices or better practices where we're continuously learning from one another. Number six, recognize staff success. Foster an environment where teachers genuinely celebrate their success of their peers. We cannot have staff members fearing being recognized because of how their peers will view them. So... Again, this is an opportunity to cultivate that culture where when people are going into each other's classrooms and supporting one another, then they have opportunities to be celebrated and honored and recognized. And that begins to cultivate a different type of culture. And finally, work with your staff on building a network of support, both online and face-to-face. -face. Now, one of the things I forgot to mention is, yes, even for principals, if we're going to ask teachers to be doing walkthroughs with one another, this is a great opportunity for principals to do the same throughout their campuses. In other words, come together with your colleagues, visit other buildings, do walkthroughs of other buildings, learn from one another. How do we create a true learning environment from the classroom to the building level to the district level where everybody is in alignment and everybody systemically is replicating the same best practices because we shouldn't be asking others to do what we're not willing to do ourselves. Building a culture where staff members aspire to learn from one another begins by being intentional and clear in our expectations as building and district leaders, but it cannot stop there. Again, school leaders must lead the charge by collaborating with other building leaders in their own districts and with neighboring campuses whenever possible. As I just mentioned, for too long, both teachers and principals have worked in isolation, preferring to keep best practices to themselves especially if they prove successful in an attempt to outperform their colleagues and sister schools rather than sharing them with others. Too often, we're in competition with one another rather than being in collaboration with one another. So this trend, however, is beginning to change as principals begin to see the advantages of sharing and learning alongside their colleagues and in many cases from their colleagues. The more I learn about our ability to impact others and influence them in positive ways, the more I am convinced that we are not only in the teaching and learning business, but in the modeling business as well. And when we model the way, we inspire others to behave accordingly. 
watching what we say and how we say it, making sure our actions align with our words, communicating expectations with clarity, and leaning on each other when we fall short in our results gives us permission to not have to have a perfect skill set and all of the knowledge. By doing so, we place our priority on standing alongside our staff, learning about our colleagues, for our colleagues, and from our colleagues. And when we are able to demonstrate that it is how we interact and collaborate with others that allows us them to see our genuineness and our humility, we will move past the notion of others ever having to think that we are the experts. After all, we don't want anyone faking it till they make it. My friends, it is time to recalibrate. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And I hope that you will join me each week as I take you back to the interview chair. Because I know this, that when you sat in that interview chair, that, my friends, was the best version of you. Be sure to check out my website at jimmycostas.com backslash the interview chair for links, resources, and show notes. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Casas underscore Jimmy. If you enjoyed today's show from the interview chair, subscribe to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts to ensure you never miss an episode.